Hi everyone, this is Peter Levin, and you're listening to another episode of In Good Hands, a show about the companies and founders solving our climate crisis. Today, I interview Rob Keenan, Chief Marketing Officer at Boxed Water. We know that plastic water bottles are horrible for the environment. We use them once, we throw them away, and they stick around for centuries upon centuries, getting into our soil, into our water, into our oceans. And boxed water is a potential solution to this. Because instead of plastic, the box is made from a list of biodegradable and recyclable components. And Rob's perspective on starting brands and operating them is really interesting. Because before coming to boxed water, he was the vice president at Timberland Shoes, the president of Hush Puppies. I mean, the list goes on. So Rob has been thinking about and operating global marketing projects at some of the most renowned brands. And in the episode, we'll talk about the different tactics that him and his team have deployed to drive massive awareness around boxed water. The different distribution channels that boxed water is excited about from music festivals to quick service restaurants and what the future looks like for their company. So without further ado, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Rob Keenan, Chief Marketing Officer at Boxed Water. Rob, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Rob, typically I kick off with an explanation of Boxed Water, but I think given how interesting your professional background is and how it might help provide a little bit of context to our listeners, can you just briefly jump in? What is your personal background and what were you working on before coming to Boxed Water? I've been in the fashion slash footwear business for about 25 years. I've worked on Timberland, um, Sperry. Most recently, I was working at the Ugg Boot Company, and I also worked on their apparel. I've always been working, producing lifestyle brands, and also kind of what, what I liked about my job is I, I ended up becoming president of Hush Puppies and president of Caterpillar. What I liked about my job was kind of reinventing brands through product marketing. And I got to a point in my life, I'm older than most and younger than some, and you, everyone gets to that point in their life where, where you want to do something a little bit better. And it's not about getting ahead and going to the next level. It's more taking a breath and saying, all right, well, how can I apply my talents or my skills to help the planet or help whatever your cause is? Mm -hmm. And so I always joke about the fact that I spent 30 years kind of creating a little bit of this mess. Now it's my turn to spend the next 30 years to help clean it up. What's really interesting about the bridge between your personal history and then joining Boxed Water is in many ways, you've been an expert storyteller. And I think that's been one of the core problems with companies that are uh, producing uh, products that are inherently sustainable or services that uh, uh, shoot to solve some of these problems is, you know, you can have the uh, most sustainable product or service, but if if you can't tell a story that resonates with the customer, then it's, it's dead in the water. So, Can you just briefly discuss, A, do you think that a successful solution to uh, the problem that we were discussing around plastic, should we be talking about that problem or should we be focusing on the solution and telling the story in that type of light? You hit on a number of things that are actually extremely astute. 
Number one is, yes, I think, and, and at Box Water, we were always talking that the world doesn't need to see another photograph of a polluted lake or the oceans filled with plastic. I mean, we know that. So we try to be optimistic and always talk about what you can do um, to make a change. And so our whole mm -hmm. effort is one of optimism, and it's one of a small change can make a big impact. So a couple of things that we've done to talk about this is we have Beyond Water. We have the You Post, We Plant campaign, which means if you take a picture of our box and you do a hashtag better planet, we'll plant two trees in a national forest in conjunction with the National Forest Foundation and the U.S. Forestry Service completely for free. Today's consumer, and again, regardless of the brand or the area, they look, especially the younger, especially with social media, a brand or a company now is thought of as a collection of individuals who all have values, and I want to know what your company stands for before I vote with my pocketbook. So the best example I can use outside this industry is you look at a company like Patagonia. Patagonia and, let's say, North Face, they both make great products, but Patagonia believes in something, and a lot, and 90% of their communications is about, we stand for helping this planet. We happen to make apparel, but we use all of our efforts to try to help the planet. North Face is still saying stuff like, we make great jackets. If you look at the performance of both those brands, Patagonia is skyrocketing, and, and North Face isn't strictly because the, the consumer is looking for a deeper conversation. And it goes back to what you just said. It's having a topic that is pertinent and communicating it to a consumer. So they are losing what resonates with today's consumer, which is helping the planet. And again, it's not going to be about talking about, hey, the ozone, the carbon dioxide, planets in peril. It's what are you doing about it? What can you do about it? So us, in our very small, small way, because I love the fact that we're, we're this little company. Brax Water is a little company out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, taking on the Aquafinas, the Dasanis of the world. And in order to make a noise, so we make incredible water. It's in sustainable packaging. We were the first to ever do that. But it still wasn't getting across to the consumer, and we weren't breaking through the noise. And that's when we got in the room and said, you know what? We need to do better. We need to think of something better to get to get people to realize there's an issue here. And we were talking about Tom's and how if you buy one, they'll donate one. And we said, we're not big enough and we're not distributed enough to have people buy. But we do a lot of festivals and we do a lot of handouts. Let's do it where if you take a picture, we'll plant two trees. And if you fast forward, that was four years ago. If you fast forward four years, we literally have planted 850,000 trees in the national forests. And wow. when I say we, I don't mean boxed water. I mean posts on social media by consumers who are rising to meet the challenge. And that's the kind of thing where one small change can make a huge impact. That's insane because if you were stepping into the shoes of the performance marketer yeah. at boxed water, yeah. what this also suggests is that you've created, you know, will be kind of north of 500,000 posts of 
virtually free media. Yes, yes, there is cost to plant the trees, but it just is a testament to the ingenuity of your team because you can spend on these different marketplaces and channels where a lot of other people are contending for attention. Right. Or you can align incentives with, like you said, the customer that wants to buy into something that's bigger mm-hmm. than the item itself. So what a what a great distribution hack. You have to realize if you're a smaller company trying to create these ideas, this idea does not work out on a spreadsheet. You can't go to a head of finance and say, you know what I want to do? I want to plant a bunch of trees for free, and I hope to God it works. There's no one-to-one ratio here. So it comes back to you have to have you as the leader and you as the company owner, you have to have the values and the resolution to say, you know what, regardless of the P&L, this is the right thing to do and we can use this as a platform. And so I give a lot of speeches with people in companies that work at bigger companies and I say, what can we do? And I say, it's no different than a big company or a small company. Get a collection of people, get a group of people together and start lobbying management to say, you know what? And it doesn't matter if it's trees or if it's helping the Humane Society or if it's the homeless. Pick an issue that's important to your company and say, this is important to us and we need to lobby for it. And we need to make this part of the, the, the values of our company. So there's a lot of questions I want to explore on top of this. And it's funny, I had an outline in front of me about all the ways in which we'll talk about sustainability, but there's a ton surface area I want to explore for the emerging founder that wants to launch something within the guise of climate solutions. There's a lot that they can learn from you. But before we get there, I want to actually rewind back to boxed water itself, because I think it's important for us to define how boxed water compares to the status quo today, you know, your classical plastic bottle. Yeah. Can you briefly uh, describe how does boxed water compare today within the guise of sustainability? So as it pertains to plastic right now, 69 billion bottles are made every year, which is a about a little over a thousand a minute. So by the time we're done with this, let's say 30,000 bottles will have been made, which is insane. Wow. I know it's insane. Less than 10% of those of those bottles are getting recycled, which means obviously that there's 8.8 million going into the ocean landfill every year and it's only getting worse. And then you peel back the onion even more it takes over 700 years for a bottle or piece of plastic to break down, which means that all that garbage is slowly breaking down. It's not biodegradable, so it only becomes those microplastics and gets back into our food source and water. Most of us, we buy a bottle of water and we drink it at maybe 15 minutes. That mm-hmm. bottle's going to last for 700 years. Christopher Columbus, if he threw a bottle of water over the over when he went to find America, that bottle of water would still be around today. It's mind-boggling. So our whole point is for a 15-minute consumption, you should be using something that is sustainable. And the definition of sustainable is that it's something that you can keep, that you're not stripping from the planet. So, and I'm going to bring that up because there's an important point later. So 
literally for the first couple of years, I've been talking to employees or consumers about, about plastic and that it's being made, it's made from oil. And you and I might think that that's common knowledge, but I can tell you 50% of the people I talk to when I'm out doing events, they have to sit back and go, gosh, I never really thought about that because we've become plastic blind over the last 30 years because it's all around us. But plastic is made from oil, which is a resource that cannot be renewed. You cannot put more oil back into the planet. Boxed water is made from trees. There's a little bit of plastic. There's a plastic cap. There's conversations there. It's primarily made from trees. And obviously, you can replant trees. You cannot replant oil. Same conversation with aluminum. So Dasani and Aquafina are owned by Coke and Pepsi. At the end of the day, they own a lot of canning plants. They're going to start coming out with water in cans. And it'll be fascinating because their whole PR campaign is going to be that aluminum is sustainable because you can recycle it infinitely. Bottom line is, though, aluminum, primarily virgin aluminum, which most of their cans are made out of, comes from bauxite, which is a mineral that is strip mined out of South America around the Amazon rainforest. Mm -hmm. So it's not strictly sustainable. It is product that is going to go that you need to strip from the ground in order to make. Mm -hmm. If you compare the creation of a plastic bottle to a creation of our box, one example is the plastic bottle contributes over a thousand percent more impact on ozone depletion and carbon monoxide and smog. So it's a lot easier and a lot less damaging to make one of our boxes, like a thousand percent less damaging than it is to make a plastic bottle. Scary stuff, but the bottom line is that, again, there are alternatives to those plastic and those cans that consumers are starting to go after. And then I'll, I'll finish by just saying, we start by saying our name is box water is better. Refillable is still the best solution. So somebody buying a bottle, refilling it, reusing it, that's the best solution. But as long as 69 billion bottles are being made and sold, consider us a bridge product to when those things all go away. What is the core reason why plastic is still native to these types of commodity products? And is there some type of goal that is near in sight to transition it out. I mean, talk me through the challenges there and what consumers can expect in the near term. We're always trying to challenge ourselves to be better. So I have good news in that in the next two months, we're going to be coming out with a plant-based cap. Our plant-based cap is going to be different than anybody else's because our plant-based cap is going to be from trees that come out of the Nordic region, so mostly Scandinavia, of Europe. So it's going to be a byproduct of pine trees. It's going to be using the waste from the forestry industry in order to make plastic caps out of for our box. That's compared to a lot of what you see out there now is made from sugarcane. And sugarcane, we've waited this long because we didn't feel that sugarcane is as good for the planet to be used towards plastic as finding an alternative. So we're always looking to try to improve. We're very excited that we've just come, we'll just be coming out with a tree-based. So basically 95% of our package will be tree-based, which is awesome. 74% of it is sustainable, which means it comes from paper specifically and can be regenerated. 100% of it is recyclable. 
but our conversation is obviously recyclable is not enough. It's got to be sustainable. It's got to be something where you can give back to the planet. And then I'll let you know a story. It's kind of, it's funny because we need, you know, when we first came out, when we first started, we were, you know, it was a bunch of guys who, who were just trying to take on plastic. They didn't know anything about the beverage industry. So they created a box that didn't have any plastic in it except for the cap. It didn't have any, we have a, a thin layer of aluminum and then a very thin layer of film of plastic, both which are thinner than a human hair. And neither need the blow molding or the amount of energy. So both are better than a bottle to begin with. But our first box literally didn't have anything like that. It was more like a milk carton. Matter of fact, it was a milk carton. We went to a local dairy person. And it turns out you need, in order to be shelf stable, so every time you see milk in a carton, it's in a, it's in a refrigerator. When you see boxes of water or if you see the soup containers or the juice boxes that you sell in the supermarket, those are what's called shelf stable. And those can be stored at room temperature, whereas milk can't be stored at room temperature. And that's an FDA requirement. And so, frankly, the FDA came and said, guys, what are you doing? You can't do this legally. So we had to add these two layers. They actually act as a a taste barrier. So if you put our old water in a refrigerator and there was tuna fish next to it, the taste would absorb into it. So that's why you have those thin layers of aluminum and plastic, so that the taste wouldn't go, would, wouldn't migrate across, and then also just to just to keep it shelf stable. Yeah, it's fascinating. You don't. So we are not like a milk. So milk milk boxes can be. There's limited areas where you can where you can recycle them, depending on curbside recycling. That's that. There are limitations to our recycling, as far as whether a certain municipality will take it. But it's completely different than a milk container. Ours is called, you know, ours is called a shelf stable uh, box, and and if you have the right equipment, and right now sixty eight percent of America has the right equipment, you can recycle our product with impunity. It's one hundred percent recyclable, and like five years ago, I think the number was around fifty percent of the municipalities had our had that right equipment. So already we're seeing more and more municipalities pick up the right equipment. Basically, what they need is. You need what, uh, like a chomper, a machine that breaks it up and separates all that material. And it's kind of like, you know, those wood chippers that you use when, you, when, you're, chipping, when you're chipping logs. It's, it's something mm-hmm. like that. You throw our box in there and it all separates. And then the paper goes one way, the aluminum goes another way, and the plastic goes another way. It's cool, isn't it? It's very interesting. Yeah. And I, I, is uh, timely because with National Sword and all of the developments around the United States' inability to export most of this yeah. waste, or rather, you know, international countries' oh. lack of interest in taking it on. So it's really interesting. Well, that's why when I say 10% of plastic bottles, it's probably less that were recycled. It's probably less because as we investigated China, we found out that they weren't recycling the, the plastic we were sending. They were burning it for fuel, which is burning oil. And so while we thought we were sending them our recycling product to recycle, we're finding out that the majority of it wasn't recycled, which is frightening in itself. I want to segue back into storytelling and marketing and distribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really think that there's an opportunity here to offer some practical advice as our listeners hear from you and the tactics. So I first learned of Boxed Water um, as a customer of Diggin. You know, it's oh, one yeah. of the great quick service restaurants here in, in New York City. And I go there multiple times a month and 
box water is one of the preferred products at the counter. So what I'd love to ask you is, how do you think about prioritizing distribution channels? You spoke a little bit about Boxed Water being a preferred vendor at Lollapalooza and some of these massive music festivals. There's restaurants and retail. So talk to me about how do you prioritize the channels that you explore to sell Boxed Water through? We'll start with Dig In. So they're wonderful. And I guess... uh, what I love about them is that they they approached us and they wanted to make a change. So the simplest answer is you prioritize that distribution that wants to make the change. And that sounds simple, but it's not. And I'll, I'll tell you a story. Our, for the first six to seven years, we were focusing on grocery stores because grocery stores is the biggest volume. And if we get to be in Whole Foods and Kroger, then it's a big win because it's just a lot of volume to be had there. Turns out most grocery stores are very happy with the amount of plastic water and or everything else that they sell. And it's a good lesson that if you are ahead of the curve, most grocery stores and most standard companies are looking in the rearview mirror. So if you look at the numbers, they would turn to you and say, "What's there, there is no problem. Our, our plastic water sales are up double digit every year. There is no consumer for this. And by the way, and it's true, the paper costs, our product costs more than a plastic bottle. Plastic exists because it's cheap and durable. So there's a lot of money to be made in plastic. So everything was stacked up against us. And then we would tell our story about, about helping the planet and with some of them, it would resonate with some of them. And they would look at their spreadsheet and say, I don't see it. So we shifted our focus to really just to focus on that channel of distribution who also wanted to show that they were sustainable. So the, the majority of areas that we started focusing on were zoos and aquariums, hotels, universities. And most of these are all entities that have that. Their main goal isn't making money and it isn't selling product. It's something else, but they need to have our product as part of the experience. Mm -hmm. So it's great. A lot of these people are coming our way to say, this is important to our consumers. And frankly, it's also in our benefit to tell our consumers and our guests who are interested in this, hey, there's a solution. So we become a more reliable source for them, giving them solutions that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So so that if you're starting out a business, you've got to find like-minded people and it might not be your traditional path. So fast forward now, Whole Foods is, is now interested and other grocery stores are now interested because the demand is building and people see that there's a need for this. Mm-hmm. So Rob, what I want to do here before we part ways is I'm really interested in your perspective on the consumer landscape at large. You've seen so many brands. You've really been at the top of the keep. So what I'd love to know is, are there any startups, you know, emerging direct-to-consumer brands that you're really excited about, you know, that you're either an existing customer of or that you're rooting for from afar? Oh, yeah. Well, box water is better. I'm still rooting for, we haven't crossed the finish line yet. So honest to God, I'm still rooting for this company to become a major impact because, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to 
plug my own brand, but it's true. I, I mean, boxed water is better. There's so many other things. So boxed tea is better. Boxed coffee is better. I, I want us to be offering sustainable alternatives in easy ways for consumers to make small changes. So I think that the, the more success we have and the more consumer trust we have, think of us as, as we're more of a sustainable brand than a water brand now. So I'm excited about us looking and seeing what else we can do to help the planet. Um, because that, Interesting. That, yeah, it's kind of, it's cool. And we're not there yet. And there was a long road to go. And pl- believe me, there's plenty to be done just in the water category. But I am rooting for us to win. Well, Rob, I think we're all looking forward to what that next you know product announcement will be. But la- last question, what I want to do is just give you the opportunity to shout out one or two people that have had the greatest impact on your learning over the last 25 years. Oh, my God. I would say Malcolm Gladwell and his podcast is phenomenal. My favorite book is Creativity, Inc., which talks about the birthplace of Pixar. And it's a phenomenal book on how to manage creativity, but also how to create a brand and nurture a brand and and also the highs and lows of what goes into this. I mean, Pixar was one pencil stroke away from selling to GE and becoming nothing more than a machine for measuring. It was basically, basically going to become an MRI machine because the the amount of technology it took to create these characters could also be used in scanning machines in the healthcare industry. And so thankfully, Stephen Jobs stepped in and said, no, we got to keep this going and create a movie scene out of it. So that to me is probably the best book as far as giving you hope and realizing, you know, stick to your guns. And then Malcolm Gladwell just has a hundred different podcasts in order to talk about the different nuances and uh, that are going on in America that help you put everything that you're doing in perspective. Rob, what I'd like to do is roll out the red carpet. Are there any final call to actions, hiring needs, uh, final plugs that you want to make sure our listeners hear? The floor is yours. <laughs> Go out, uh, box water. Either either get one for free or buy one. It doesn't matter to me. But take a picture, do hashtag better planet, and it'll be the easiest two trees you've ever planted in your life. And then ask a friend and pass it on. That's, that's what I would ask you to do. Because there's not many companies in the world that would be willing to do this for free. And I hope to God that someday we are more common than anybody, that, that, that this approach is a commonplace and isn't an outlier. So help us make that happen. Rob Keenan, CMO of Boxwater. Rob, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing and writing us a review. Also, if you have any recommendations about a founder or a company that you'd like to see on the show, let us know. Message us on social at In Good Hands. Also, special shout out to Dan Mahoney, who produced this week's episode, and Eddie Knuckles our music director. I'm your host, Peter Levin. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Peter A. Levin. And that's it. Looking forward to bringing you another new episode next Tuesday.